Hey everybody. It's great to see you on this Sunday after Christmas. Just a couple of questions as we get started. How many of you uh, uh, really got something nice for Christmas? Did anybody get anything nice for Christmas? That's good, that's good. Uh, how many of you ate too much Christmas? All right, everybody who didn't raise your hands, you're lying, and we kind of, you know, you don't lie in church, okay? Uh, I hope that day was really wonderful for you. Several people have asked me how it was for me. Uh, I couldn't tell you what I got. I can tell you everything my grandson got, and, uh, and it was pretty wonderful. And I really appreciate you being here on this Sunday after Christmas. You know, this is actually the one time a year when we gather as a church, and we're all in the same service. And I know it's thrown many of you off, uh, those of you who are here in the room, because uh, somebody else has taken your seat, because it's their seat at 11 o'clock. But I really appreciate you being here. Uh, we're going to finish up today a message series that we've been doing entitled More Than a Baby. And all this Christmas season, we've been talking about how Jesus is more than a baby uh, and that the story of Jesus doesn't really start in the manger. And remember, we've been talking about how the story of Jesus really has four components. The first component of the story of Jesus is that Jesus was before is. In other words, he existed before anything was ever created. And then Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And then we talked about how Jesus is the supreme. He is the one who is in charge. And especially he is in charge of his church. This is his church, not our church. And then we, we, we really kind of culminated when we talked on Christmas Eve about Jesus the victor, how he is the coming king. And when he comes, everything will be put right forever and ever. Now, you may have heard all four messages. And if you didn't, I'm going to put in a shameless plug and say, I hope you'll go back and listen to all four on the website. But here's what I want you to know, that this Jesus, this Jesus who came and reconciled the world to himself, he now puts before you a choice, a decision. What do you do with him? See, some of you, you have grown up in church all your life and the thought of Jesus is something very familiar to you. And, and you don't even really think very much about what does it mean for Jesus to be all this. And if you're not a particularly religious person, maybe you've just started tuning into church online, or maybe you've just started coming, you may be saying, so what, so what? Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is going to answer in these last three verses that we're going to look at. So if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 21, 22, and 23. This is the word of the Lord. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Okay, so there's three big ideas in this passage and I want to explore them briefly with you this morning. The first big idea is that if Jesus is who he said he is and you decide to follow him, your status has changed. You might want to write that first big idea down. Your status has changed. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever flown and had to fly standby, and you've gotten there. You're not sure if there's a seat for you. You're not sure if there's a place for you. And then 
They, they say, well, passenger Smith, please come to the, the attendance place, you know. And, and so you walk up there, and it's like the walk of doom because you don't know. And you get there, and they look at you and say, I'm sorry. We don't have any space for you in coach. But we do have a seat in first class you can have for no charge. I'll try. It'll be a burden. Right? Your status just changed. And, and that's really what Paul's describing in this first verse we looked at, verse 21, when he talks about once you were alienated from God and you were enemies. Now, we don't like to think about being enemies with God. We don't like to think about being alienated from God. But here's the reality that we all have to understand. Our sin, the things that we do that are wrong, it creates a gap between us and God. And so that gap is bigger than our goodness can bridge. So we all start in this alienated place, this enemy, this oppositional place. But listen to what Paul says. He says, you are alienated in your minds. Because when you are distant from God, the way you think is corrupted. Now, we've talked before about what your mind is. Your mind is the source not only of your thoughts, but also of your feelings. How you think affects how you feel. How you feel affects how you think. So it's intertwined. Now, hang with me here. If you are alienated from God, you are always suspicious, you're skeptical, you're on guard. It's like, I'm not sure I can trust God. I'm not sure that I can really, really let my guard down because I'm not sure that God is really on my side. And Paul says, this is what it's like. But when you start following Jesus, your status changes. He says, once you were this way, now you're not this way. Now, there's something else here I want to point out before we move on to the second big idea. Paul very clearly says something that we ignore. The way we think influences our behavior. In fact, it drives our behavior. And you know this. You know this. The way we think drives our behavior. If you're on a stretch of road and there is no traffic, and you haven't seen another car for about 10 minutes, are you doing the speed limit? Sinners. I admit, I admit, it's like there's no traffic. It's been a while since I've seen how fast this Ford will go. Right? And so you just kind of creep up, you creep up, you creep up. And that's like, you are going because you're thinking, hey, there's nobody around. Drives your behavior. <laughs> All right, now let's get a little dirtier. Can we? Yeah. <laughs> My thinking is, I know this is bad, but it makes me feel good. And as long as nobody finds out, it's okay for me to do. Anybody ever think that? Yeah, of course we do. Of course we do. And that's the thinking pattern, by the way, of every addict and of every sinner. How we justify ourselves. I know it's wrong to lose my temper, but by golly, she's got it coming this time. How you think drives your behavior. And that's the way we once were. Now, here's a really pointed question for you. Paul says that's the way you once were. Are you still that way? 
Because if you are, it means there is part of following Jesus either you have not done yet or you have not started that journey at all. So the first big idea is if you are truly following this Jesus, if you have truly embraced him, then then your status changes. Now, second big idea, you're clean. You're clean. When I was a little boy, my mother would actually do this. She would turn me out and say, go play outside. I don't want to see you again until supper. Well, of course, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing out there but snakes and wildcats and who knows what else. But you know what I would do when I can remember this as a little boy? Give me a hose and a pile of dirt and I was happy. Right? I would play in the mud. We don't let kids play in the mud anymore. I don't know why. I think that's why we have so many colds and infections. We actually ate the dirt. Right? And I mean, we would play happy in the mud and we would get it all over us and we would just be messes. And I can remember vividly my mother coming out and saying, you are a mess. And then you know what she would do? She would take that hose out of my hand. She would squirt me down. Make me take off all my clothes right there in the front yard. It didn't bother her. Bothered me. Gave me several issues. But anyway, she would hose me down and then make me go in and take a bath. I want you to look at verse 22. Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This is what Jesus does. He reconciles us. We have been off playing in the mud and he says, I want you to come in the house. But how do you get clean? And Paul's very plain. Through the death of Jesus, his body, it was a real death. It really hurt him. It was not pretend. And theologians debate back and forth about all of what this means, but I'm going to simplify it for you. Sin creates a debt. The debt has to be paid. Jesus pays your debt. In other words, Jesus is paying the water bill to clean you up. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior... You are clean. And I want you to listen to these key words. They're real important. Paul says, okay, now you are holy in his sight. The word holy means to be set apart, means you're special, means you're unique. It it is like God looks out upon all of humanity and says, I choose you. Now, does God choose everybody? Everybody that wants to play. But don't make it impersonal. I want you to make it really personal that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ calls your name and says, I want you. Jesus didn't just die for the whole world. He died for you and for me. You're holy. You're set apart. You're unique. Now, there's another phrase I want you to pay attention to. Without blemish. How many of you wish you could change something about the way you look? I'm waiting for drive-in liposuction. (laughs) I think that would be the greatest thing in the world. You know, you pull up to Chick-fil-A, you eat your combo number one, then you pull down the street and say, yeah, stick it in and crank that thing up to a nine. I need to get down to a size 36 in the waist. I think that would be fabulous. Fabulous. 
Probably not in my lifetime, but without blemish means simply that Jesus is going to clean you up and you will be the perfect you. I just imagine that. You're not going to have to spend any more time wishing you were somebody else, wishing you had something else, wishing that you could look different, wishing that something else had worked out in your life, wishing you had married somebody else, wishing you had a different set of kids. You're not going to have to deal with any of that because Jesus says you are without blemish. Now, there's another phrase that Paul uses, free from accusation. I don't know about you, but I have this little voice in my head. And, you know, I'm sure that if, if, if I ever went to a psychiatrist, the psychiatrist would tell me it has to do with all kinds of things from my childhood. And one other. But that little voice can really accuse me. Like when I mess up, and I mess up every day, when I mess up and something goes wrong, that little voice says, dummy. Y'all have that little voice? Please, somebody else nod yes. Don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, it's like, how could you be so stupid? You know, what, who do you think you are? And you know what's scary is that little voice invades my dreams. Now, I know some of you don't have a dream life. Mine is like a multiplex up there. Last night, I dreamed that I was back in high school and had to go take exams for classes that I never attended. And the first exam was calculus. And I never took calculus. And all of I can, I can hear, I heard my voice in my dream saying, why didn't you go to class? Why didn't you pay attention, dummy? You should know calculus, you're smart. What's wrong with you? And I had to wake up to shut up the voice. Am I telling y'all more about me than you need to know? <laughs> A couple of people are nodding going, yeah, I don't wanna know that about my pastor, okay. I'm just trying to tell you, I think we all live with that voice. That voice doesn't belong to God. That voice does not belong to your heavenly father. One of the reasons you need to be in church, and I'm so glad that you are, is so that you can be continually reminded God doesn't talk that way. That our God has a different voice. It's a voice that says, I love you. I no longer accuse you. I now have adopted you. You are my child. Now, I know some of you are going, but wait a minute, Clay, I still sin. And I get that. I've watched you, right? I know you still sin. I still sin. But what it means is sin no longer term determines my standing with God. I'm forgiven. I'm clean. And so what does it mean to live in forgiveness? To be cleansed, it means I know I'm chosen and I can live without guilt and I don't have to listen to any voice that accuses me of being less than. Now, here's the final big idea we want to touch on this morning. It is true faith keeps going. True faith keeps going. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not, remove from the do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard that's been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Paul says, this is the gospel. And he's saying, you're not going to be accused. You're clean. You're without blemish. You have holy standing. If you continue, here's the litmus test. 
Are you continuing in your faith? See, I grew up in a church that basically taught me that what I needed to do was get saved and try to do good things and go to heaven. But that's not actually what Paul says. Paul says, once you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you start a journey if you continue. And if you stay established and firm. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have questions for God. It just means when you go through tough times, and when you say, God, why is this happening? And when you wonder, God, why is life so unfair? You always come back to Jesus. And you say, I may not understand. And I may not know. I may not get it all. But I will come back to Jesus because I trust him. And then Paul says, this is the hope of the gospel. It's the hope that our status has changed. It is the hope that we're now clean. And it is the hope that no matter what happens, no matter what tragedy comes, no matter what setback occurs, no matter what we face, no matter how our heart breaks, Jesus is still going to be there for us and we are going to be there for him. He is going to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death and we will not fear evil because he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And so as, as 2021 comes to a close, this last Sunday of 2021, I know, yeah, thank you, Danny. Amen, I'm glad this year's over. It's not been an easy year. I know a lot of us have had ups and downs. The year started with me losing my sister. In the middle of the year, I lost my brother. We've had challenges as a church. But I tell you what, I look to 2022 and I believe there's hope because I believe in Jesus. And I believe I do not have to live a defeated life. I believe I do not have to stand accused. I get to live in the hope of Jesus. And that's what I hope for you. So I just wanna ask you as we finish out this message and this year, is your hope anchored in Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for Jesus. He is so good. I do pray for everybody in this room that they would know the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. Father, if there's somebody watching online, somebody at one of the other campuses who doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today they would accept Jesus as Savior. And Father, for all of us who do claim him as a Savior, help us remember these fundamentals, what it means to be reconciled. Oh, that our status has changed, that we're clean, and that we get to keep walking with you every day of our lives, all the way to eternity. Thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is our hope. Amen.